0: Cool. I like the drum, the drummer blew the, the wall out of the drum kit on the other side. That's, uh, that's always a good day in church, that's that's great. Fantastic, well good morning. So good to see you all, what a privilege, pleasure it is to be in this amazing church. And uh, I have, I've been here once before and that was maybe two years ago, I think roundabout, and uh, it's just so good to see it growing and plus you've moved on the other side of town it's almost like a brand new church, uh, and what a great area this is. Oh my goodness, I, I, yeah, I could live here. This is, uh, all you need is add a beach, you know, like, uh, that may be not that possible, but anyway. Anyway, a couple of sandy spots on Lake Worth, is that right? Okay, not too many waves though. The only waves you get down here are heat waves, you know, <laughs> and some, some good ones too, right? Hey, uh, thank you, uh, Brandon and Meredith. What You guys are amazing. We love you, and you, you've got it. I'm telling you, you have it. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey to this point, but I'm telling you, the best days are ahead uh, for you and this church. Give it up for your pastors, your leaders. What legends. We love you guys. You're the best. Thank you for giving me the uh, the privilege of speaking and of course wonderful to see great friends paul and judy and I know, we've known each other a lot of years too many to count right so we love you guys and love for my wife bernie uh bernie and i uh we're married uh who's <laughs> glad about that and so uh, we've been married for 38 years this year which is pretty cool just about and the reason she's not here, we usually travel together. We're from, by the way, we're from Sydney, Australia, if you couldn't half tell. Uh, and uh, we normally travel together, but our youngest child is about to have her third baby in about three days, four days. So, and that's going to be our sixth grandchild. So, so that's cool, eh? We're, we're very blessed and uh, we love being grandparents and it's a great, great stage of life which is awesome. We, we live in the northern beaches of Sydney. I'm sorry, I apologize. Uh, but I, I'm really not sorry at all. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's a joy to be... I love the fact that our, our movement is... Uh, it's not really a movement. It's really this like giant C3 family. It's just, it's just this big clan. It's, it's, it's a tribe and it it sort of looks slightly different in different places we've currently got 13 regions globally around the world nearly 500 churches that started with this little group of people you know 12 people in the dy surf club and northern beaches of sydney 1980 Uh, and bernie and i walked in three weeks after it started and uh, you never know what future there is you know like but when we walked in that little church that tiny little buildings a little catholic school hall and Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle up the front, they had this vision in their heart. They had a vision originally. To st- th- 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 this was their vision. Their lifelong vision was to plant a church in Sydney and see 500 people in that church. So they thought if they achieve that over their whole life, then they can be happy and go to heaven. Uh, so obviously a lot more than, than that has happened, which is, which is cool. But God, God's plans for you are better and bigger. Maybe through a few wildernesses, you know, maybe a few, but, but that's all part of the journey, right? Uh, and uh, and look, I'm I'm look, we've been in this thing for 37 years, and, and when we Bernie and I walked in, and and we were Christians, but only newly saved, but we didn't belong to a church anywhere, and so, you know, from our we, the background we came from, it was like getting saved was like being delivered from the church, uh, in terms of our view of what the church was our experience of it and then we realized after a little while that hang on we need to belong somewhere we need to fellowship somewhere so god led us to this place we walked in it was just a little catholic school hall there were 20 people in this room and, and it was brand new and and uh there was an old piano and a violin up the front playing that's the beginning of c3 music uh pastor chris springle was up the front leading worship in a tartan skirt i remember that uh, and she was doing the pentecostal two-step who remembers that <laughs> I can still do it. Uh, and, uh, and it was so weird. We, Chris, there's a long story. We, we, we got told it was the wrong venue. Uh, they obviously heard we were coming. Uh, but though they, we went there and was, they'd moved venue that night. And so we walked into this, we drove into this dark parking lot it was completely empty. And we thought, what happened? And uh, so Pastor Phil sent, just by chance, he said, go down to the old venue tonight. Send this young guy, go down to the old venue just in case someone has gone to the other venue. And it was us in that parking lot going, I don't know, what's the deal? It's amazing. Uh, big doors swing on very little hinges. And so it's, it's, it's the little things in life. That, that little decision of a leader, the, the care of a shepherd. To think about the little things is super important. We think it's about the big things in life. It's all about the little things. It's the little things that add up to big things. And so we we walked in the back of this church and I had a pair of board shorts on and a t-shirt. I had long blonde hair. I had hair. Uh, Who cares what color it was? And uh, so then, Bernie had long blonde hair as well. She's still got long blonde hair. Uh, and walked in. I think my hair was wet. I just got out of the surf and had a pair of board shorts on. And and, and my and Bernie and I were there. And and we our eyes, Bernie and my eyes, like connected with Pastor Chris. And we t- Bernie and I turned to each other and said, "We're home." Because we discovered. Here's what I've discovered. This is not my message. This little sort of thro- not throwaway. Ho- hopefully, it's not throwaway. Uh, is that in Christ you discover eternity. But in the in the house of God, you discover destiny. And so it, many people, there's like a, I don't know, there's there's a disease through Christianity where people, are, uh, they're in Christ, but they're not, they haven't discovered their place in the body of Christ. And it's super important that we find where we belong. Yeah. Because believing is one thing but belonging is another thing. It's at the place of belonging, at the time of belonging, that you then become, your gifts begin to come to the surface. Because eternity is about you, but destiny is about others. And so it's, it's important that we, we begin to help a dying world see the light of Christ. And, and, uh, and you find that in community. And community is super important. And community is best expressed in church. Remember, who's with me today? Anybody? All that stuff, uh, super important. So we've, yeah, we've just walked the journey. We've done every, every conceivable role, served on every team and what have you, and that's all part of it. And look, I'm not that talented at all. Trust me, I'm not. And I'm just, I just keep walking. And, uh, and so others have just fallen off. And so Pastor Phil looks up, and sometimes I'm the only one standing. So like, oh, you'll do. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so uh, just keep walking. Yeah. Keep walking. And, and, and God will open doors, not because you, you don't need to be that talented. Just keep going and don't give up, and don't get diverted by the things that the enemy wants to divert you with. Keep on track. Keep on. Keep on the journey with God. And I'm telling you, the long-term blessing of that in your marriage, in your kids. All of our kids are in Christ. All of our kids are serving the Lord. Like Brandon said, our, our son's in Brooklyn. There is up there, reaching all the the hipsters uh, of Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. You know, you know, you know. I'm talking about. You know, like. Uh, You know what I mean, you know, are you talking to me, what's, you know. uh, I I lived in New York for nine years, I I can speak New York if I want to. Here's the key to speaking New York, throw a W in in every word. So it's not coffee, it's quaffy. It's quaffy, you know, like. And in the morning you drink quaffy and you take your dog for a walk, you know, like. (laughs) Is that pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. See, I've got this little theory about languages in America. See, in Texas, there's a lot of room, so you, you spread your words out, and you speak out of the side of your mouth, you know, like, but in New York, there's not much room, so everything's squashed up, you know, like, you know, what do you mean, my, my, my name is Tony, you know, like, uh, even their shoulders are squashed up, you know, like, is that a good theory? Okay, yeah, change your life, okay i better get on with it. I got, a, I, got, I got a lot to share this morning. Who's ready to get into the Bible? Here's the deal. The Word of God is the deal. So this message, I, I really don't have a title for this message, but I thought of it while I was praising and worshiping. The, the title of this message this morning is The Gospel. The Gospel. Because here's the deal. We think, many believers think the Gospel is for people who don't know Christ. The Gospel is just as much for the church. We need to keep hearing the Gospel, because the Gospel is the good news. We need to know what we have in Christ. And, and so I want you to turn, poke myself in the eyes, making a spectacle of myself. Um, okay, Luke 15, if you want to turn with me there this morning. Luke 15. I'm just going to share this, this great passage. and it's th- We're going to talk about three lost things this morning. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost, the lost son. And it's, it's not three parables, it's one parable. It's one parable in three parts, and I believe there's some great truth for us this morning in the Word of God. It says in verse 1, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. I just want to stop there. I find that amazing. There's two pieces of the audience. There's the the tax gatherers and sinners. It's interesting that Jesus said sinners and tax gatherers. Why tax gatherers? Of all the groups of people that he could use because i believe this is that every generation has their tax gatherers every generation has their people that people don't like that are not accepted and it's the religious leaders the the religious people the the ones who were rejecting them and jesus there's two audiences this this parable is to both groups of people it's to the religious crew and to the sinners and i love the fact that the tax gatherers and the sinners we're attracted to Jesus. I wonder, if he, I wonder if they're that attracted to Jesus right now, or I wonder if they're that attracted to the church right now. Because unfortunately, we as the church are often more known for what we're against and who we reject. And, and that shouldn't be the case. Jesus was not like that. Jesus' church is not like that. And, and, and if we've become pharisaical, let's not be pharisaical. Let's, let's not be people who know known for what we're against. Let's be people who know for what we're for. And let's be people for, know for what, who we accept. And we don't accept only people that are already made and perfect. They're good. They're welcome to. But by the way, none of those exist. But, but we accept people who are not ready. We accept people who, who, who maybe are less than us and, and, or who, th- who we think are less than us. But I love the fact that these people are attracted to Jesus. And, and the fact that Jesus ate with them and, and did life with them and hung with them. And who are we doing, who are we doing life with? And uh, which is a really good question. So then he says, he taught, so, he says, so, he told them this parable. So in response to, their, to the religious people's grumbling to the, about the very people that he was reaching, he said, let me tell you a story. And I love the fact that Jesus told stories. He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, this is a story. This first parable is really, I believe, is a story about Jesus himself. He is the ultimate shepherd. And he is left the security of the, of the flock, he's left heaven to come and find us. And if you were the only person on the earth, he would have come for you. J- Jesus doesn't come just for the multitudes. He comes for the individuals. He sees, he doesn't just see the masses, he sees you. Jesus came individually for you. And it's, okay, so Jesus left heaven. He left the security of the throne of God became human, became flesh. I mean, there's, there's so much in that in terms of what he did. He actually, he's so identified with lost humanity, became a human. And, but he came to earth and he did a bunch of stuff. And it wasn't just that he arrived and said, hi guys, and this is good, and, and I'll, I'll disappear now for a sec, and now build the church. Jesus did a bunch of things. He, Jesus ultimately has done it all. There is nothing we can do, should do, or able to do for ourselves. Jesus has done it all. All we need to do is step into what he's already done. Here's the deal, though. Most of the church doesn't know what Jesus has done. And and we're not living in the ultimate things that Jesus has done. So in the next 10 minutes, I normally teach on this for about 8 hours. We're going to do this in 10 minutes. All right, I'm going to tell, talk about the five things that Jesus did in 50 days that changed the world. So, what what are the things that Jesus done? And we're going to go to talk about. We're going to come up on the screen here. If we go to the first one, hopefully we can see this on there. Look at that. The first thing he did was the cross. Look at this, like magic. It was like, ooh, the cross, uh, the cross. And, and Jesus provided. The, he was on the cross. He went to the cross for us. The cross is no small thing. Who would agree with that this morning? And Jesus didn't come to earth just to walk around and give us a bunch of new morals. Jesus actually came to earth. He came to live to to, to die. And he died on the cross. And he gave and secured in the cross forgiveness. Here we see the suffering Christ. Thank God for forgiveness. Without forgiveness, we have no access to God himself. We We are not allowed to go and be reconnected with God the Father without the cross. The cross gives us. We now have a way back in. Anybody reasonably excited by that? We're, we have a way back in, and, and we and so that we have forgiveness. You have forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. I used to be a social worker and psychologist. That was my background many, many decades ago, actually. And I'll tell you the thing the thing that probably plagues the human soul more than anything is guilt and shame. And the answer to guilt and shame is not more counseling. Yeah. Now I have no problem with counseling. I used to be a counselor. But the answer to guilt and shame is the cross. Because in the cross, your soul, the stuff that really counts on the inside is washed clean. And you now can come free before God. It's a gift from heaven. And Jesus came to give that to you. But not only have we been given the gift of forgiveness, you've been given the gift of forgiving. In the cross, you have the power to forgive. The thing that breaks down relationships more than anything else in life is unforgiveness. And and you can literally change the atmosphere of your relationships this afternoon. If you go back and, and and put in those relationships the power of the cross, and that is you begin to forgive. Who do you need to forgive this afternoon? And as you forgive people, I'm telling you, the cross, the kingdom, the life of God comes into the middle of those relationships and healing. Because as soon as the cross gets into relationships, healing, the kingdom, life, love, the joy of Christ begins to get into that. It'll heal marriages. It'll heal father, sons, parents, children, business partnerships, friendships. It will heal your life. And we are called not just to be forgiven, but to forgive. The vertical aspect of the cross is our forgiveness. The horizontal aspect of the cross is us forgiving others. Jesus said in Matthew 6, If you do not forgive your brother who <laughs> sinned against you, God in heaven will not forgive you. Yeah. T.D. Jakes says this, that forgiveness is like a closed circuit, like breathing. As you breathe in forgiveness from God, you breathe out forgiveness to others. Yeah. In, and, and as often as you breathe, you should forgive. And if you stop breathing out, you cannot breathe in. I dare to try it sometime. (laughs) You keep breathing, you're just going to blow up. And there's all these Christians all just trying to breathe in like, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. Well, God's going, forgive others, forgive others, forgive others. And, and forgive others, and he says, then I'll forgive you. In fact, the theology of that is, we cannot even receive the forgiveness of God until we release forgiveness to other people. I tell you, it's time to forgive the cross. Come on, give the Lord a hand for that. How? Okay, but wait, there's more. Beyond the cross is the burial. Most Christians don't get beyond the cross. By the way, it's the cross is everything. But we there's even more beyond the cross. The Where did Jesus go after the cross? He went to hell. Not in judgment. He went there to declare defeat to the enemy. It's the victorious Christ. In First Peter, it says that he actually preached to the demons. And he wasn't preaching a gospel of salvation. He was preaching a gospel of their defeat. He came and actually got the keys of hell and death. And he defeated our foes. What are our foes? Depression, discouragement, fear, anxiety. All the things that the human soul is plagued with. Jesus got and said, declared to the enemy, you are defeated. My people are now winning. We have victory because you don't just need forgiveness, you need victory. How many Christians are just in forgiveness? But I'm telling you, you can go from forgiveness into victory. What do you need to overcome this morning? What do you need victory over? Do you need victory over anxiety, victory over, un- victory, whatever? Is, every one of us have that stuff. Every one of us have a propensity to be defeated in a certain area of our life. And guarantee it is in the burial of the victorious Christ. But wait, there's more. Where did Jesus go then? He rose from the dead. The resurrection with the risen Christ. And so in the resurrection, read Romans 6 sometime. In fact, read Romans the greatest piece of theology in the Bible, the centerpiece of the New Testament. In Romans 6, it says, we were on the cross, because here's the deal, these events weren't just historical. These aren't just things that the Christian calendar celebrates, no. And not only are these just benefits, yes, they are, but more than that, we were there. We were on the cross. Your old life was on the cross. Read Romans 6. It says, "You, you died with Christ. Many people Particularly in Western nations. We're trying to resurrect something that should be dead. We try to, you know, encourage you're awesome, you're amazing, you're incredible, you're awesome. Well, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. Because our old life needs to die. Yeah, right. you, the, your greatest day is when you're dead. And I don't mean now, physically. I mean, your old life, it's the, it is, that needs to die on the cross. But then God says, once you die and you overcome, you have victory, I'm going to give you a brand new life. It's the new life in Christ. God is a resurrecting God. He cannot help himself. He loves resurrecting things. And so in Christ, you now have resurrection life on the inside of you. Not, not just, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. No, I have, this morning, when I got up this morning, I have resurrection life on the inside of me. Guess what? You have resurrection life on the inside of you. And you can resurrect. Marriages can be resurrected. Life can be resurrected. Hope can be resurrected. Vision can be resurrected. Just so I get a little leap then and excited, you know. This little Aussie getting excited, you know. But wait, There's more beyond the resurrection jesus rose and we have love this the ascension i love the fact that jesus rose from the dead but didn't disappear straight away he didn't go like like earth uh, heaven he hung around he walked around for 40 days and i love this read it in the gospels it's so amazing jesus walked around and scared the disciples all the time (laughs) he appeared through walls just and, and they're like they go, oh jesus gone what's going on His life's no good he just walks through the wall and goes hey guys how you doing and they go ah it's a ghost but it wasn't it was jesus and uh and it was just amazing 40 days of him teaching them and equipping them and getting them ready but he, he, he ascended and he was walked the earth it's, it's a great study but then after 40 days they thought great he's here he's back now jesus you can deliver us politically you can you like you can restore Israel to its former glory. And as they were saying that, Jesus responded in Acts 1 and goes, No, you're missing the point. This is not about political restoration, it's not about some sort of nationalism. My kingdom is different. Our kingdom is different to that. The kingdom is a is a kingdom of the heart towards other people. Kingdom is not legislation. King- kingdom is, the, is the, uh, the kingdom of the heart, which is extremely important. But then, then he goes, uh, and then as he was saying that, he disappeared in front of their eyes. Read it, Acts 1. They, and they, just went, they watched him. Just went <whistles> up through the clouds. And then two angels appeared on either side of them at that very moment. And I have this little theory that both those angels were from New York. True, true. Read the script. Read the text. In the text, this is what the angel said straight away. What are you looking at? (laughs) (laughs) That's what the angel... It's in the text. What are you looking at? And so they basically, the message from the angels was like, guys, stop looking into the clouds. Get on with it. Jesus has done everything, so get on with it. But where did Jesus go? Can I borrow a chair? Can I borrow a chair? Is that right? Oh. Okay, one you're sitting on, that's good. Uh, No, no, it's all right. Thank you. (laughs) Give them both a hand. That's awesome. Okay. Now, but where did Jesus go? He ascended in the heavens. Where did he go in the heavens? Just floating around the clouds somewhere? No. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says he was raised up and is now seated with Christ, with Father, sorry, seated next on the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is sitting down good when someone sits down what does it represent it means it's it's done the work is over jesus the work's done so he's sitting and the father has put all things so i know i'm short and i'm extra short right now uh but, but the father has put all things in subjection to christ all things under his feet all authority or power or dominion is under the feet of jesus it's the authority now that's great news who thinks that's great news you know what the better news is? In the next chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, it says, We too are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? Years ago, 83, I was in a college. I went to Bible college, C3 college. And it was, a, it was a tough year. We had two little kids at that point. Money was not flowing. And it was, uh, it was an interesting year. So I remember one t- day in the middle of the college year, was in, in this rented house that we had, had, had a, like a bench in it, uh, and in this back room they used to pray in. So I was praying one day, and it wasn't good praying. It was miserable, negative, whining, complaining, whinging prayer. Who's ever prayed like that? Who prayed like that this morning? No, no. <laughs> And I'm like, God, God, what? It's gone. Like, God, hell, it was horrible. And I felt heaven. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I'm praying. <laughs> and, the, and the Holy Spirit goes, "Doesn't sound much like it up here." <laughs> this is true. This is conversation with heaven. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, "Get up on the bench." So I did. This only ever happened once. So it's not like some you know, weird prayer ritual that I do. Uh, and, and so I got up on the bench, and it's so funny, because as I got up on the bench, this scripture came to me, Ephesians 2, like that, into my mind. He, the Lord said to me, You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Pray from a perspective of authority. Pray from above your problems. You are not under your problems. I have given you authority. I'm not just forgiving you. Not just giving you victory. I've given you authority. So, because here's the deal, God. We're, most of us are praying about things. God says, "No, no, no. Speak to things." Yeah. Jesus said, "Speak to that mountain." Yeah. So, what are you praying about that you actually need to pray? That you actually need to speak to? What? What? Like even Jesus never prayed for the sick. Jesus not one. There's no. I, I can't see anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus prayed for the sick. He healed the sick. He healed the sick. As the sick came from him, he didn't go, Father, heal them. He'd go, be healed. Be healed. So what do you need to speak to? God, this, what? <laughs> there's so much that we have in Christ. If we only knew. But wait, there's more. Beyond the ascension is the descension. The Holy Spirit. The, the Father and Jesus colluded And said, we can't leave them alone down there. Because there's always been one member of the Trinity present. And so they sent the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to them as he was going, guys, go and wait in Jerusalem. And you're going to be endued with power. And you become my witnesses. By the way, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, just on a side note, is not so that we can have Holy Spirit meetings. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is that we would become witnesses. Yeah. So right. Noun, not verb. Not witnesses. Witnesses. Yeah. It is who you are yeah. is a witness of the grace and love of God. Yeah. Yeah. And God wants that. I got to get moving. So, that, but just hang that, leave that there, guys, because I'll come back to the next screen in a second. Because here's the deal. The, the, the next thing, because most of the church doesn't know what it's got. Most of the church is, is, is living, sometimes at best, even in, in this zone. But imagine if the whole church... Yeah. Like lived in the fullness of what Christ the shepherd has won for us in this yeah. thing. Man, imagine what the church would be. Imagine what our cities would become and what our nations and our families and our households would live in. If, if we only knew what we actually had. Not what God will do for you. God help me. No, he's already helped us. Yeah. He, he's made every move. Heaven is saying now, your move. Yeah. Yeah. It's your move. Yeah. Yeah. It's your move. My move. It's interesting, the next parable, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, is a parable of the lost coin. It's interesting that the sheep was lost in the field, but the coin was lost in the house. (laughs) It was lost in the house. It's like many people get saved from the field and then get lost in church. There's as many people lost in church as there are in the field. And I'm like, my mission, our mission, should we choose to accept it, is that we not only find the lost people in our community, but find the person, maybe maybe the person next to you this morning is just as lost. But they're lost in different ways. fell this coin, this coin fell on the floor in the house. And the coin, there were 10 coins that a bride, that a young girl would collect over her developing teenage years. And on her wedding day, she would have sewn those 10 coins into a headpiece. And she wore that headpiece on a wedding day. And it represents the covenant between the bride and the groom, between the church and Jesus. And each coin represents a life. It represents a calling, a gifting. Every coin counts. And when one gifting falls on the floor, that coin needs to be found. That coin, that life, your life counts. It's not just salvation counts, but your life don't just get found in Christ, but lost in church. Most of the church is inactive. How do we get lost in church? Four quick things. Number one, some people, are, they're just attending church. None of us are meant to just sit in church. We're meant to be the church. And, and some people are just attending church but not knowing Christ. Secondly, some people are sitting there offended. And they've lost heart. Maybe offended by the church. Offended by a leader. Offended maybe even your own heart towards God. God wants your heart healed. Because so in offense, you're ineffective. And so God wants you unoffended. Maybe you're here, some people, the third area is people who've been around in church longer than Noah. Yeah. You've just been in church forever. And when you first came to church, you were like on fire. You joined every team. But now after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you're like, you're just sitting disengaged. Yeah. You're inactive. On the th- fourth type of people on the lost in church are young people. Second generation, third generation people whose parents brought you to church. And thank God they did. But God wants a direct relationship with you. He wants, he wants you to know Christ. God has no grandchildren. God only has children. He only has kids. He doesn't have any indirect relationships with anyone. He only has kids. And if you're a young person who was brought to church and you don't know Christ, wouldn't it be awesome this morning if you found Christ? And all of our kids have found Christ along the journey. have gone on that journey. Every kid does in church life because all of our kids were born in church. I remember Josh, who now is a pastor in Brooklyn. I remember when he was four. He was the first baby born in C3. And I remember when he was four years of age, we we're driving home from church, just he and I, one Sunday night, for some reason. Halfway home, he says, Dad, I need to give my life to Christ. I'm like, did you just say that? A four-year-old? And I thought, here's the deal. Never underestimate the the, 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 the genuine seed faith of a child at whatever stage it is, you know. So... I pulled over the car, turned the engine off, and let him in a prayer, let him in a sinner's prayer, because he'd committed so many sins. Uh trust me, who's a parent here? Anyone? So we had about an hour's repentance, uh maybe two hours repentance, uh, but we both ended up crying and he had a genuine encounter with God. But he did again at eleven and twelve, and again at fifteen, sixteen, and so so kids want to need to should be led into a relationship with christ but here's the deal the coin dropped on the floor and i thought i was reading the scriptures a couple of years ago i think well how hard can it find it you know coin drops on the floor there it is but back then the floors were covered in about six to eight inches of straw so when the coin fell into the straw the woman representing the church couldn't see it so what did she did she did three things she lit a lamp swept the floor And searched until. We need to keep lighting our lamps. We need to keep the anointing oil on our lives. We need to stay in the word of God because when when God is on you, you see people. When God is not on you, all you care about is yourself. But when Christ is on you, the anointing is on you, when the word is in you, you see people. Maybe the person next to you was lost. She swept the floor. So the straw, straw in the New Testament represents the dead works of man wood hay stubble straw we need to rid the church of religious activity we need to rit- and get back to the basics, get back to the basics of worship and community and, and salvation and the gospel. And as soon as we clear the church of all the rubbish and activity that means nothing, then we see people, suddenly gifts begin to pop to the surface. Because every one of you has a gifting. Every one of you has a calling. Every single one of you has a purpose and a place in the kingdom of God. Every single one. Imagine if the whole church was found. Oh, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's because we need as a church, we need forgiveness, victory, new life, authority, and power. Because the suffering Christ, the victorious Christ, plus the risen Christ, plus the the Christ, plus the empowering Christ, if you put up on the next screen, is the body of Christ. Yeah. All of those things are the body of Christ. It's not one of them. And if we just go to the next screen, guys, is that the ascension of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit must equal the extension of the church. If it doesn't equal the extension of the church, the church stops. We go, Jesus is in heaven, Holy Spirit is good, then it stops. No, it must mean that we go out into the Fort Worth, into Fairmont, into, dare I say, Cowtown. Yeah. I said it, yeah, that's right. It it is the the only the only result is that we that we extend out into the community, but the gifts have to be found first, because otherwise we're just attending church and and we just come back for the next Sunday's meeting. No, the church starts. The church really starts in about ten minutes, and then so that's it's us going out there and and doing the thing. because the interesting the third parable, third part of the parable is the lost son. We we see we call it the prodigal son. It's actually the scripture doesn't call it prodigal son. Uh, actually, Tim Keller believes it's actually more about a prodigal God. The word prodigal means extravagantly, extravagantly wasteful. That God is extravagantly wasteful towards us. He poured out his grace on us that we, when we didn't deserve it. Yeah. But there are two sons. The lost son went out, came back finally, which is awesome. I love the story of him coming back up the driveway. And the father ran out. The father ran out didn't stay in the house, stay in the house until he saw the child come. Because as soon as, all we need to do is turn. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 18. And when anyone ever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the moment a heart turns towards God, the Father is there ready. God's waiting for you. He's so in love with you, so ready for you. There's no judgment from heaven. None. The Father's there waiting. Interesting, when the younger son came home, the oldest son wasn't there. In fact, all he heard was a party because the, the dad, because when, when one of the sons or daughters returns, guess what the father does? Puts on a party. By the way, church should be a party. Heaven's a party. Let's get, let's get rid of boring, dead church. Let's have exciting, party-filled. Church should be the most exciting place on earth. And so the older son was like, he says, what is that noise? He'd lost he lost what it was to hear the sound of a party. He, he couldn't even recognize the sound. Oh, wow. so it's, he's lost that. Because here's the deal. The oldest son represents the church. The younger son represents the world. It's interesting, in both of the other two stories, somebody went out to find the lost thing, except for this story. Because it's the older brother's job to go it was his job to go and find the lost son the lost son shouldn't have had to come by him back by himself it was the older brother's job to go and find him because it's the father's job to receive but our job to rescue and so we are the rescuers. We are the older brothers. But unless we're found, unless we've got our coin is off the floor of the church and reestablished back in that covenant, then all we see is our own needs and, and us needing to attend. And, but really, there's, there's a lost world out there that, that, that needs saving and blessing. So there's the gospel. The gospel is all three things. And God wants that. And maybe if I can have the band up right now, it'd be great. And... Uh, so uh, why don't we stand to our feet as we finish, before I hand it back to. Awesome. Why don't we just lift our hands before God right now? God's on you right now as a church. The presence of God is filling your heart, filling your life. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just begin to pray as a church, as an individual right now. Begin to pray maybe one of those things. Maybe maybe it's like, hey, I, w- I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to receive his authority. I want to receive his freedom. I want to receive some power of God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we lift our voices and just begin to worship him and praise him. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit holy spirit amen god why don't we just sing this part of this song one of the greatest things we can do is worship him so uh why don't we just, can we sing straight to the chorus that'd be great or oh, fantastic you are my life may you believe